the passage that we read from the Lamentations written by Jeremiah is one of the saddest passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. It talks about a nation that was once prosperous, a nation that was once filled with joy and gladness and rejoicing and happiness. Now it sits solitary. It's empty. The wounds, the scars, the results of iniquity have taken its life from it. One hundred years before Jeremiah prophesied and gave the book of Jeremiah and then the book of Lamentations, one hundred years before Isaiah prophesied, goes to Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to read tonight the sermon, the truth that was delivered to the nation of Israel, telling them their current condition and telling them if they don't change their current condition and direction, their nation would be destroyed. They did not listen to Isaiah, and Jeremiah wrote his lamentations of a destroyed and a ruined land. I wonder tonight where America will be in 100 years if the Lord tarries his coming. I fear that some Christians, so I'm going to go ahead and live any way I want. I think it's a sad gamble for the parents and the grandparents to give up the fight until Jesus comes. I think we ought to be salt and light if we knew that Jesus was coming this Friday. I think we ought to serve him with everything in us until the trumpet sounds. And tonight as I gave you a brief outline of the Isaiah chapter 1 of the message tonight, I want to preach what was given to the people, the nation of Israel, 100 years before it came to destruction. Sadly, the message I'm preaching tonight from Isaiah has been being preached for some time in our nation. And I'm thankful for a righteous remnant, but I think you know as well as I do, unless there is a turn in behavior from the age of children and teenagers through that of adults, America cannot continue its current direction. We could talk about the economy. We could talk about the church. We could talk about a lot of different areas. But I believe tonight we'd all agree that America needs revival. And as I go through this outline, we will see what caused the destruction. And the opposite behavior is what brings revival. And so it begins with an ingratitude. Not taking time to be thankful as I preach this morning. Do or I have done, the praise and honor belongs to God. He is worthy of our praise. You're in the right place. We're doing the right thing tonight by coming to church on a Sunday night and recognizing that all we have is of the Lord. The nation of Israel began a lifestyle of not hero thankful and give hero earth. For the Lord hath spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Nothing could be more painful 
Nothing could be more disheartening to life than to have children to take the blessings and the provision of a parent, of a mother and father, and rather than be thankful to have a rebellious spirit toward their parents. The nation of Israel got too busy to worship God. They got too big to praise God for who he was. They got too busy to serve God. They got busy with life. They got busy with the cares of the world. They got busy with selfish desires. They wanted so much that six days of work was not enough to give them what they wanted. And so they took the Lord's day and they worked yet another day, the day that belonged to God, so they could meet more of their selfish needs. By the way, God got his Sabbaths and he got them all at once in a 70-year captivity. I don't know about you, but it's easier to make payments. It'd be easier just to give God what he is deserving of. But the nation became a nation filled with ingratitude. I want you to mark your place there in Isaiah and go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice the warning of the Apostle Paul that he gives to Timothy telling him what would happen in the last days or in the return of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice with me, if you will, in verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, notice the word, unthankful, unholy. All of those go together. Why is it that a generation that has more things than any generation has ever had is less thankful than generations in the past who had far less? Why is it that children of just two generations ago, they're getting fun and the things that are available, but why is it that a fellow was just thankful to be able to run, and yet boys and girls are not thankful and they have an attitude that sometimes is just rotten and stinks toward their parents, and they're so blessed with so many things. And there was a day that children wore shoes until Memorial Day. Then they didn't wear shoes until Labor Day. Some of you are smiling. You remember those days as a child. Sometimes it's just because you wanted to go barefooted. Sometimes it's because you saved rubber, you saved your shoes. The first thing was an a attitude that's unthankful. Folks, there's only so much time in life. We do not have time to do everything that is around us today. You cannot take time, you cannot take part in everything that's going on and have time to serve God. May I say tonight, you and I are supposed to not just serve God, we ought to put God first in our life. We ought to have a place of service, a place of commitment, and that is our place. And God is first in our life and all that we do. We live in a day where there's sports and travel and games and fun and technology and entertainment. And then there's church and then there's family and then there's marriage and all of those things. May I say of all of that long list of things, I don't know what we can and cannot get done. But the first thing we ought to get done is our faithfulness and our service to an almighty God that has given to us everything 
that we have. The Bible always and throughout has taught the parents to teach their children about God. But we often get so busy with things, our own things, that we forget not only God, we forget to teach our children about God. Now, mamas, let me tell you something. There's not anything more important than for you to teach your children this book right here and to teach them to be thankful to God in heaven. And I want to tell you, it'd be better off if you lived in a single-wide trailer or if you lived in a, in, in a log cabin, if you lived in a house with a dirt floor. Some of you, it looks that way. But anyway, I'm just kidding you. Let's see if you was listening. Conviction did set in, though. It'd be better not to have things and to rear your children to love God. Now, if we don't have time down, children love God. Isaiah chapter 1 to Lamentations chapter 1, a 100-year period began with the fact they didn't have time to be thankful. If you don't have time to be thankful, you won't have time to teach your children about God. It's important that we teach them the Word of God, that we teach them to love God, that we teach them to respect God, that we teach them to fear the Lord God of heaven. So first of all, we have ingratitude. Now, ingratitude, not having time to be thankful, not taking time to be thankful, not taking time to teach, leads to ignorance. Now, the word ignorance found throughout the Bible. Now, ignorance is an interesting word. Ignorance does not mean stupid. It does not mean dumb or incapable. That's not, not at all what it means. Ignorant means to ignore available truth. It's not that I can't learn. Ignorance says I don't want to learn. Now when we're not thankful, the result of that is ignorance. Look what the Bible says in verse number 3. The ox knoweth his owner. This is pretty low of an illustration. The ox knoweth his owner. Now you, you, you take a farmer that takes care of his animals. When he heads to the barn and he calls the name of that animal, they go where the feeding trough is. Now I remember taking that old slop bucket from the back porch and those old locust trees that were used slop bucket. I remember you take an old slop bucket and start across the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the yard and across the creek over where the hogs were. I'm going to tell you something. They went to the feeding trough. They knew what was going to happen. Now notice what the Bible says. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. How sad it is that America has become a nation that is ignorant of knowing where their blessings come from. Some think it's the strength of military. I'm not diminishing the power and appreciation of our military. But except the Lord keep the house, a watchman waketh but in vain. Ignorance, ignorance is in our nation today. And I want to tell you, it's a shame that God's people are ignorant of what the Bible says. Now you just sit still, I'm going to preach for a few minutes about this. We don't have to be ignorant. Truth is available. 
It is a shame to watch television to the place that we're ignorant of Scripture. It's a shame to play games to the place we're ignorant of Scripture. It's a shame that you play on your cell phone to the place that we're ignorant of Bible truth. And we play Christian games rather than knowing the Word of God. I love what the Bible says in Psalm 138, verse number 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, I want want our young people to look at it. It is a shame today that children will oftentimes grow up in a Christian home, go to good church, but you never one time read that book to see what truth you can find for your life. Now, I'm preaching to you. Young people, listen to me tonight. It's a shame if you're not reading the Word of God. Look, the Word of God is not given to entertain us. It is given to guide us and to guard us. There are many lives that are being destroyed today because of ignorance of Scripture. We don't have to be ignorant of Bible doctrine. We have to be ignorant of that. We don't have to be ignorant. Folks, I I talk to folks all the time. Uh, Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Well, I think so. I live a pretty good life. They're ignorant of the Scripture. Well, I've not done anything too bad. Ignorant of the Scripture. You know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. That'll get you to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm going to go ahead and preach it tonight. It's a shame that Christians are ignorant of decency. It is a shame that we're so ignorant of what the Bible says about living a holy life, a decent life, a clean life, that folks will in public, will in public behave in a way that they should not behave in private. Let me deal specifically with this matter of nakedness. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is not a billboard for men to see. Your body is not an advertisement for folks to see. Now the Bible tells us in Leviticus 18.7, The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. That's pretty plain. Mamas, you ought to cover yourself up at home. It ain't ain't even talking about the men in public. It's talking about mama at home and the children. Then the Bible goes on to say in that same chapter, Leviticus chapter 18, verse number 8, The nakedness of thy father's wife, shalt thou not uncover it as thy father's nakedness. The nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father, or daughter of thy mother, whether she be born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. The next verse deals with nakedness. The nakedness of thy son's daughter, of thy daughter's daughter, even their nakedness shalt thou not uncover, for theirs is thine own nakedness. The next verse deals with nakedness. I'm not preaching about nakedness at the swimming pool. If we knew what the Bible said about nakedness at home, we wouldn't even worry about being naked at the swimming pool. 
Now, now we've become a nation. We, we, we're, so, we, we, we're so ungrateful to God. We don't read the Bible enough. Read the Bible. I don't have time to preach the whole Bible in just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We all need to read the Bible. And God preserved the book of Leviticus and he quoted the book of Leviticus throughout the New Testament. Don't come to me after church and say you was preaching from the Old Testament. I know what testament I'm preaching from. The Bible goes on to say in Lamentations chapter 1 that we read a while ago, Judah, uh, Jerusalem hath grievously sinned. Therefore she has removed all that honored her, despised her, because they've seen her nakedness. Shame on America for wanting to show the nakedness of its people. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Matthew 18 says, But whoso offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Ladies, you ought to dress in a way not to offend these young men. Hey, there are some folks that are working to rear their children to be clean and pure. And just, just, just if you think, well, everybody wants to see my nakedness, I want to testify for those that don't. Amen. Now, a lack of gratitude leads to ignorance. I'm teaching a series of lessons in August on what the Bible says about standards and dress standards for men and women. Be teaching what the Bible says about that. The Bible deals with that. We have a major problem in our nation today trying to define genders and sexes when it's all simple and in our behaviors and in our dress and appearance before our children and the rearing of our children. Many are ignorant about life and principles and laws that control life. Many are traveling down the highway not reading the signs that says the bridge is out in three miles. Somebody's got to preach and say, hey, folks, this is what the Bible says. We need to understand in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah lays it out and says one thing leads to another. And Jeremiah laments a nation that has come to destruction because they did not hear the voice of the prophet Isaiah. And the same is true in the New Testament for the local church. We don't need to be ignorant of doctrine and decency and behavior. Many are ignorant of penalties and the warnings of God about disobedience. It's a frightening thing to see folks living life not understanding. I heard a fellow uh, advertising the other day a uh, rock and roll music concert, and here's what he said, I'm going to sing until I'm too drunk to sing. Concert will end when I'm too drunk to remember the words. Oh, but he said we'll have a good time until then. I thought, they're ignorant of what the Bible says about punishment of that kind of behavior. I don't know about you, but I have a fear of an almighty God. I, I, I don't want to live just well enough to get by. I want to live well enough to be blessed. I want to live under the spout where the glory runs out. And that means I want to live a life that's clean and pure before God. Let me give you the next thing. That leads to iniquity. 
A nation of ingratitude leads to a people of ignorance, and that leads to a people of iniquity. Look at verse number four. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden. The word laden means to be burdened. It means to be weighed down, laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers, a multiplication. You see that seed is a multiplication of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked. You see this, they made mad. The Holy One of Israel, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away backward. Notice the iniquity. Because many are ignorant of the truth of the Bible. They live in sin and some do not even know of right and wrong. Their immodesty leads to immorality and leads to idolatry. How sad it is to read every day of those whose lives have been taken early because of alcohol. And alcohol is promoted in our nation as something that's good. It's not good. It's evil. It's wicked. It's rotten. It's out of hell. That's what the uh, alcohol is. I think of the colleges and universities that were at one time places of holiness, of right and good. They taught the word of God. They trained preachers. Now they're a little different uh, than any uh, nation uh, uh, that is a pure heathen nation. You ought to read. You ought to read the purpose, the original purpose of Duke University. You ought to study the history of Transylvania University. I have a copy right here of their first textbook. It's the old King James 1611. They taught it without shame, without reservation. They prepared preachers to preach the word of God. I think of colleges like Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Dartmouth, all of them sending out men they were highly educated and yet they were not educated to the place of pride thinking that they knew more than God but they preached the righteousness of God and of the word of God. We've come to a place of iniquity. You know why? Because we do it in ignorance and folks will look at me like where in the world did this guy come from? He must be 150 years old. I'm not. I'm not. I still just believe that old book right there. College today are filled with gross immorality and wickedness. God's people are not called to live in wickedness. God's people are called to live in holiness. And it all starts with ingratitude. And if we're not thankful, oh, listen to me. I want to know more about him. I want to know more about what he said. That old book right there is a precious book. And it's an amazing thing to me. The more I study it, the more ignorant I feel that I have been and every day uh, more and more light shines of the precious word of God. Not that a wonderful book right there. I, I love its context. I love its power. I love everything about that a wonderful book right there. I don't want to be a nation of ignorant people. We need to read the word of God. I give you the fourth thing. You'll find this interesting. The fourth thing is illness. But I want you to notice what he says here. Why should you be stricken anymore? Will you revolt more and more? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. The head is sick. What's the number one sickness 
that's being discussed in our nation today. Mental illness. Mental illness. Why would a man, why would a man at a distance wait for police officers to come and take a rifle and shoot each police officer, shooting and killing everyone that he can? You say, well, preacher, that's, that's, that's mental illness. Let, let's not just look at the mental illness. Where did it come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from people, first of all, that were not grateful to the goodness of God. They didn't read the word of God. Then they became an ignorant people. And then they became a people of iniquity. And now we are a people, and the Bible tells us here, a people of mental illness. Teaching children there are more than two genders is mental illness. Evolution is ignorance and foolishness. I wouldn't read out loud in public what's written in books for children to read in a kindergarten class. Rap music that teaches hatred and murder of others is mental illness. Anybody that would fight for the right to murder an unborn child. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. We have enough sense to know when life begins in a horse. We have sense to know when a life begins in a tomato plant. Then we act all ignorant and then want to kill that life. That's mental illness. Illness. Defunding police, that's a mental illness. Drugs and alcohol is a, a, an addiction to death. It is a sickness. It, 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 it is a, a mental illness to think I can escape reality by taking that pill and only to not know about it, not to have an awareness of it for an hour or two or three and then the problem returns magnified by the drugs and the alcohol. That's a mental illness for our Congress, for our state, for any ruler to say, for any leader to say, alcohol is good. We need it more places. We can't play baseball without promoting alcohol. That's mental illness. Taking the Bible out of public education, that's mental illness. Organizing sports in the place of church services, that's not a smart thing to do. There was a day when cities and towns knew that Wednesday night was prayer meeting night and Bible study night. One time for football and basketball and baseball. They knew that and now we live in a city. We live in a city. They want to be inclusive, inclusive of everything but God. And they organize their sports programs to be any day and there was no difference to them of any day. We live in a country that there were once blue laws. You couldn't buy anything unless it was an emergency because we reverenced Sunday. You know what we were doing? We were thanking God. We went to church on Sunday, hence the blue laws. We get rid of the blue laws, what do we have? Illness. Notice what he says next. I use the word invasion in verse number 7. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. Now you understand if you read the economy, Theov, he also told them how to accept strangers or folks that would come from other countries. And they were to welcome them. They were to love them. They were to treat them kindly. 
Now, they were not to welcome their gods because Israel already had one God. Hence, America followed the same parameters, the same principles, and all of us at one time, our ancestors came to America. Understand that. We came legally. Our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, somewhere along the line. But today, our nation's being devoured by strangers. I'm not against folks coming to our country. I understand why folks would want to come to America. I hate to tell them there's a lot of illusion in America. And you don't need to come to America to get rich. You need to come to America to find that there's a God in heaven that created this world and universe and made us for him. We have an invasion. We've been invaded by a belief and a foolishness of socialism and communism that's causing a destruction from within. Hollywood producing its illicit sexual activity and murderous minds in the youth of America. The music industry that's, that's uh, uh, sowing the seeds of hatred and evil in the minds of young people. The educational system that's stolen the minds and hearts of the children from parents. Our country's been invaded. And he said that's exactly what's going to happen when you're not thankful as you should be. Then notice in verse number 11, and I'm sure there are others, but verse number 11, we have a religious insincerity. Look at verse number 11. To what purpose is a multitude of your sacrifices unto me? What's the purpose of that, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs, or of goats. You know what he's saying? Quit trying to give me an offering to cover up your sin. Quit trying to give me something. Quit trying to bribe me for your lack of thankfulness and your lack of knowledge of me. If I put on a screen up here the behavior of some people during church, just put a screen up here and just have the God, all of us are 100% zoomed in all the time, I wouldn't be either, and I understand that. But, but to, see, uh, to see the insincerity. And I, I, I'm worried, I'm concerned about a generation of children that can go to church and not pay attention, but they pay pr pretty good attention when they play second base. And you ought to. And when it's your time to bat, you ought to pay attention. When it comes preaching time, you ought to be sincere as well. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. You all do have the day off tomorrow, don't you? I know what time it is. About 10% of the time somebody will say to me, Preacher, you should have preached on tonight. Well, for those 10 percenters, I'm going to preach on tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, notice this. In the last days, he says this, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. There is an insincerity. There is a religion. There is a Sunday morning church attendance to say, Hey folks, I'm here. Tell God I did him a great big favor. He's blessed that I came to church. No, he's interested in how we live on Tuesday morning. He's interested in you and I finding our place we get our cup of coffee and we get our chair. We get our place. We read or we listen. God speak to me today. 
I sure do love you, God. You're mighty good to us. Oh, God, would you bless my wife today? God, would you bless my children today? Oh, listen to me, dear friend. When we're unthankful, we come to the place that we go through the motions of religion, but it's insincere. Notice verses 19 through 21. And I'll, I'll finish here in the next few minutes. But injustice is a result, first of all, of ingratitude. Look at verse number 19. Injustice. We see everybody's crying injustice. Everybody's crying injustice. Look at verse number 19. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. Now the sword is a word for judgment or judges or the bench. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Notice this, devoured with the sword. This is the courts here that's turning the tables of right and wrong. You understand the judge here in Kentucky has issued a ruling that says abortions cannot be stopped and this judge believes he has more authority than the Supreme Court of the United States. And so he has said that the abortion clinics can be open. The same thing happened in Texas. It has already gone to the Texas Supreme Court. And that's what's happening right now. It's in the process of going to the Kentucky Supreme Court and they'll tell that judge your authority does not supersede that of the Supreme Court. Now, now injustice is the result of disobedience. It's a result of the iniquity that we find in the beginning. Remember, this is due to ingratitude that came to ignorance. You hear folks talk, I've listened to more CNN and MSNBC recently. I just want to hear what they have to say. They talk about the fact that we have now lost a constitutional right. I'd like to ask somebody, if you can, to tell me after church where abortion is in the Constitution. Can anybody show me where you can murder the unborn in the Constitution? Is there, if, if there's somebody watching online and you can tell me where there's a constitutional right to murder the unborn, let me know where it is. We have folks that they're, they're talking on radio and television everywhere. We lost a constitutional right. Injustice. Look at verse 22. We find inflation. You ought to study this in the Bible. The silver has become dross. Thy wine mixed with water. Thy princes are rebellious and companion of thieves. And he told his mother said in the depression in the 30s, we had things but we had no money. The next depression there will be money but no things to buy with the money. Are we there? And this president has no idea what's caused it. Goes to a foreign country and criticizes his own Supreme Court. Treasonous. It's exactly what it is. Revelation chapter 6, please, and I'm almost finished. That's what the dentist said, isn't it? 
Revelation chapter 6. The Bible talks here about famine, depression. The Bible talks about no food to eat. Notice this. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. By the way, this is the fellow that offered peace to begin with. This is the one that the whole world followed and said, I'm thankful we finally have an answer other than God in the Bible. And he brought peace to the world, and now he brings a famine. In verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And they went on not only to see a famine, but to see war and to see death. Uh, dear friend, we are approaching those end times. I don't live for that. I live for revival in our country. I'm not looking for an escape. I'm looking for revival in our nation. I want to serve him until he comes again. But it talks about inflation. Last of all is irresponsibility. Let's look at it quickly and I'll finish. The Bible says in verse number 23, Thy princes are rebellious and companion of thieves. Congressmen that are closer buddies to China than they are their constituents. Companion of thieves. How does a fellow make $175,000 a year and become a multimillionaire? What do we do? Be so grateful to God for what we have that you teach your children. We owe everything to God. When you eat breakfast in the morning, before you eat, have everybody in the family bow your head and say, Lord, thank you for the food we're about to eat. God gave us this food and we want to thank you for it. Be thankful. Second of all, let's teach our children to love God and to know his word. Parents, teach your children to memorize the word of God. I wonder if our kids took a test tonight one test was about knowledge of Disney World and the other was knowledge of the New Testament. You say, but that's a difficult book. We need to know the Word of God. God, I pray that you'd help us. I preach tonight because 